Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends. So, you know, as I'm getting ready for the show today, I'm going through, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's DeSantis, who's now, what, um, suing the Biden administration for the mask mandate. Got some stuff on that. I've got some stuff that was actually from the weekend that I haven't gotten to yet just because of the course of other things in the news cycle. And I want to make sure that we try to do this, do everything that's going on justice here. And, you know, there's things that there's things that sometimes um, (laughs) it's important to hit like this, for example. Um, we played some sound bites from Biden's press conference when he was taking tough, very tough Putin Q&A questions. Um, <laughs> I say that because he's got, it's not handwritten notes, it's typed out notes that he, that, that people have taken pictures of. And it's the headline of the, this is where Peter Ducey asked him, Literally something Biden acted confused about, but it's literally number one on the note card. It's a piece of paper, and it's got a headline. It's underlined, Tough Putin Q&A Talking Points. Number one, if you weren't advocating for regime change, what did you mean? Can you clarify? So it literally has the question. Can you imagine Trump doing this, by the way? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen to the person who brought Trump a stack, <laughs> a stack of answers, questions and answers that he might get, or actually that he would get, because it's even worse than that. There's, uh, I believe I saw here that the instructions gave Biden, well, the, the pieces of paper gave Biden instructions on, I think, which journalist to call on. I think I think I read that. Yeah, here it is. During this, I'm looking at an article here posted at Breitbart from a couple of days ago. During the question and answer session at the White House, Biden read from a note card prepared by his staff on whom to call on for a question. This is going to be the question, Mr. President. This is what you are to say when you hear this question. And he didn't even get it complete. He got close. He got close. So reading the, what is it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 words. 14 words under the first bullet point or next to the first bullet point. I was expressing the, more, sorry, it's the picture is kind of, uh, the, the paper's curved in the picture. I was expressing the moral outrage I felt toward the actions of this man. He actually said in the press conference, I was expressing the moral outrage I felt toward this man, which, you know, it's close. But they wanted to soften the blow and not make it personal. They wanted to say, hey, you're talking about his actions. Let's, re, let's redirect this. 
Let's redirect this back to Putin and his actions, not about what you're up there saying, which candidly makes no sense. And again, remember, this was the same press conference. Maybe I should play the sound bites again. I don't like to play sound bites if we played them before. But this is where Peter Ducey asked Biden effectively, are you, you know, should the rest of the world be concerned that you're getting they're getting mixed messages from you. That's effectively, in a nutshell, what what Peter Ducey asked him. And Biden was confused or acted confused. What do you mean? I couldn't. That's that's your interpretation. I couldn't have been clearer with my statement. So then, Ducey, to his credit, I think almost the only journalist in there that actually pushes back on this administration at all, Ducey says, "Well, when you were with." Troops in Poland, you seem to suggest that they would be going to Ukraine soon. Uh, the other day when you were speaking, I forget where he was speaking for that, maybe also Poland, uh, you actually called, you actually said that you, the United States would respond in kind if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine. You said that as well. And there's, I always forget the third one. There's a third thing that Biden um, Biden said as well, regime change. That's the one I always forget, which is probably the most potent one. There's no way that this man should remain in power or some such thing, is what Biden said. Trying, I guess, to rekindle the magic of Reagan standing before the Berlin Wall back in the late 1980s when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now, the story behind that's fascinating. I love the story. Reagan wanted to say that. Uh, as he made that speech in front of the Berlin Wall back in the 1980s. But his staff, his you know the supposed learned amongst us, told him not to say it. It wasn't written into the script, but Reagan said it anyway. And it turns out to be one of the most uh, memorable lines of Reagan's presidency. A clear line in the sand. This is anything but a clear line. We've got we've got notes to the president, talking points that he can't even remember, indications that he is supposed to call on a certain journalist, which begs the question. It begs the question. It seems to make it abundantly clear that this journalist did they collude? I love to say collude by the way now. Did they collude with the White House on what question they would ask President Joe Biden so that he could go to his little piece of paper here and read his silly little remarks. He has two bullet points, by the way, under the question about regime change. The other bullet point is I was not articulating a change in policy. Biden doesn't articulate anything. Biden fumbles and stumbles around getting out sentences that sometimes make some degree of sense. Usually the sense that they make put the United States in a precarious situation where someone in his administration has to answer for the silly nonsense that he's out there pontificating about. Likewise, the same thing happens with the vice president, Kamala Harris, who, in my opinion, may be worse than what we're dealing with. I don't know if you saw, uh, I think Tucker Carlson has, has actually called for the 25th Amendment to be invoked here uh, on President Biden, which, <laughs> I, you know, this may be something that both political parties eventually could come to agreement upon. I know that there's there's a common opinion that Biden is not going to finish this first term. And I don't, I mean, at the rate he's going, America might not finish this first term. 
I'm only halfway kidding here. So, but there's a belief that Biden is going to be replaced by the powers, you know, the powers that be in the Democrat Party. The big, you talk about big money. You talk about dark money. You talk about people who are corrupt and in ways that are unimaginable. People who have some really sick and twisted worldview, philosophy, people who believe that they are effectively. I'm telling you right now, these, these people that are in that upper echelon, I'm not, again, not at all talking about rank-and-file Democrats, not even talking about most of the, the, the puppets in, in Congress, though they are radical. Um, I'm talking about the ones who are pulling the strings, the ones who are funding and financing this sort of thing. They are not at all good, good people, my friends. These are dangerous anti-American people, evil in some instances. I mean, we're dealing with some really, really wicked stuff in certain circles. And again, this is not to say anyone that's donated. I'm talking about that upper echelon, that that group that's actually calling the shots, those that are those that George Soros would take the phone call from. You know, that that group, that that small group. They are not at all good people, but they also are not idiots. I mean, they are strategic. They are they are intelligent. Uh, they don't use their intelligence for good in almost every instance. But these are people who are not morons, and they understand that they have they don't have a lot of options here. And we've talked about this a lot on the program. If it was their intention strategically to remove Biden before his first term ended, the obvious the obvious next thing to consider is with whom do we replace, you know, who, who who is his replacement? Who do we replace Biden with? Kamala? You know, she's out there, she's getting practice and you know, with journalists who are giving her softball questions, and she can't even hit a softball question. I mean, we're talking slow-pitch softball. I mean, this is as easy as it gets. You ought to be able to knock these things out of the park, and she's still fumbling all over herself. In fact, I've got a soundbite if, you know, if, if the show takes that direction that I can play. She's, you know, on a show, a radio show, and she can't even articulate an answer about gas prices and what to do. I mean, it is just indicative of how big of a train wreck and unmitigated dumpster fire this administration really and truthfully is. So Biden's out there with cue cards. And again, I love the title, Tough Putin Q&A Talking Points. Tough. That's at the top of the paper as Biden's using a cheat sheet. He's using a cheat sheet in order to communicate to the world that he's tough on Putin. What in the world? I just, again, as I said earlier, can you imagine this happening to Trump? The person who brought these pieces of paper, Trump would wad those papers up and dispose of them immediately. The person may no longer have a position in the administration because this is not this is not what true leaders this is not how they behave. This is not this is not necessary. I mean to communicate on we're not talking about details here. We're talking about basic fundamental key talking points about major major world events. And he needs cue cards. 
I, it's we're not far from the the media. I'm sure that there's media outlets out there that would consider putting a teleprompter up for Biden so that when he's asked the difficult question, they can put the answer up there for him. I'm, they're just not sure that he can read it without fumbling like he fumbled over fumbled over these notes. But it's a mess. Everybody, I'm telling you right now, it everyone knows this. Everyone. If they don't know this, if someone that you know in life does not know how terrible this administration is, they are either completely uninformed or completely, completely have sold out the, uh, the ability to critically think on their own because there's no way any person who pays any attention to this whatsoever understands or would say rather that they voted for this. We didn't, no one voted for this. Absolutely no one voted for this. And so here we are. So there's some things I want to get to that we weren't able to talk about over the uh, earlier this week that happened over the weekend. Uh, in fact, I've got something next segment queued up here. Um, John Roberts, not the chief justice of the Supreme Court, but the Fox News anchor, um, having an interview with Florida Senator Rick Scott. And Rick Scott is trying to talk about taxes because, of course, Biden comes out with a $5.8 trillion budget. $5.8 trillion. This, even with his massive you know, biggest tax hike in history that's being proposed as part of this package. Even with that, it's still running a deficit. I think I saw 1.15 trillion. And that's supposed to be that's supposed to be the adult thing to do. In fact, if you read some of these White House statements, press releases, or tweets about the plan, you know, it's it's talking about reducing Trump's deficits and basically uh Governing like adults again, effectively, is is the messaging on this. One point one five trillion with the T, even with the largest proposed tax hike in the history of humanity, they still can't get it paid for. I mean, there is so much wrong with this stuff. Anyway, Rick Scott is on with uh, John Roberts, Fox News, talking about his plan and trying to talk about something that's important, which is, and I want to get to this. Next segment, take a quick time out here. 57% of all U.S. households paid no, paid no federal income tax last year in 2021. 57%. And we mentioned that briefly yesterday, but I want you to listen to uh, to this a little bit of this interview. Rick Scott trying to articulate what his plan is, and he's got Republicans to fight too. And John Roberts just either trying to win bonus points with the radical left or simply has had enough with Republicans or maybe he's had enough of being associated with Fox News and being uh, you know associated or called some sort of a you know a puppet for Republicans and so forth. I don't know what all is going on here, but he doesn't seem very happy or interested in hearing what Rick Scott has to say. We'll play those things after the break. We'll talk about taxes. We'll talk about some key components some things that I think are fundamentally true when it comes to taxation and how this country should function. And of course, we're so far from that. A lot of this may look completely foreign 
uh, to to a lot of folks simply because we are so far away from operating the way that the founders intended us to do. So quick time out, my friends. We'll continue when we get back. Sit tight. Back here in just a minute. My friends, by the way, this program is brought to you in part, one of our newest, newest advertisers I want to introduce you to, Kitchen Solvers of North Indianapolis. If you're looking to have your kitchen remodeled, whether that includes cabinets or flooring, a massive remodel project, check out Kitchen Solvers of Indianapolis. They have um, five-star Google reviews, um, Matt, I've met with Matt, the owner of Kitchen Solvers of Indianapolis, of North Indianapolis, and he's, um, you know, one of these types of people. I Again, I we deal with some of the greatest, the best people in this country. I, when I meet with folks like Matt and other advertisers and, and, and listeners and just as, as we have traveled the fruited plain and so forth, I'm, I'm truly encouraged to deal with people of integrity who have, uh, believe in principles that have made this this country great. So I encourage you to check out Kitchen Solvers of North Indianapolis if you're looking to have your kitchen remodeled. Be sure to tell them you heard about them here on the Todd Huff Show. So I want to play now. I, I referenced this last segment. I want to play this soundbite between... John Roberts, again, not the Chief Justice, but the Fox News anchor, talking with Florida Senator Rick Scott about taxes and his tax plan, Biden's tax plan, you know, indirectly tied to this, again, a $5.8 trillion. I just, it's incredible to think about these numbers. But listen to this exchange uh, and John Roberts having... I mean, really no interest in having any context whatsoever. Again, I, I think he's trying to get the win the good favor of folks on Twitter and others on the radical left. But here's this exchange. You recently put out an 11-point plan to rescue America, two of the big points of which are, quote, all Americans should pay some income tax to have skin in the game, even if a small amount. Currently, over half of Americans pay no income tax. It also says all federal legislation sunsets in five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. So that would raise taxes on half of Americans and potentially sunset programs like Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Why would you propose something like that in an election year? Sure. Well, John, that's, of course, the Democrat talking point. It's a no, no, it's plan. in the plan. <laughs> it's in well, the plan. It, but, it, here's, here, but here's the thing about reality for a second. It's First of all, let's talk but, about but, but Medicare. Senator, but Senator, hang on. Hey, no, you need to hang on, It's not John. a Democratic talking point. It's in the plan. Okay, pause. What's in this plan here... What's in the plan is is what he read. Now, from that plan, from that plan, you can make assumptions and develop your own way of trying to frame it and articulate it. And he's not, by the way, even giving Senator Scott here the opportunity yet to respond. We'll listen to the rest of his comments in a moment. But what Rick Scott is trying to do 
is to address this issue, which I alluded to last segment, uh, segment and I think yesterday on the program as well. 57% of U.S. households paid, paid no federal income tax last year. 57%. I think in 2020, I think it was 61%. Now, my friends, just logically think about this. Now, you know I am a principled, low-tax person. Right. In fact, let me lay out the way that the founders intended for our government to function. Our founders, our founders said that the Congress, Congress, of course, should have the ability to, to raise taxes. And of course, originally, I do find it appropriate to, to say this, originally, Congress, um, could not directly tax people's income. They had to, they had to actually pass a constitutional amendment. There, there's more to that than necessary. It was based upon a court ruling and so forth because a direct direct taxation was not allowed to be something that Congress could do, but it could apportion the taxes to the states. So once upon a time, states were responsible to foot the uh, tax bill to the federal government, and then they would raise their taxes based upon whatever methods they decided, and then they would send in, as Biden would, would probably say, their fair share. Of course, it wouldn't have been enough for Biden. It wouldn't have been enough for Biden at all. It's never enough for the radical left. They always have something else they want to do with your money. It's amazing. People on the left, the radical left, are more concerned about what you do, what you do with your money than what Congress does with our money. It's literally craziness to think about some of these things. But the way that it's supposed to work is Congress, per the Constitution, has a list of responsibilities they are respon- that they are well responsible for. And they are supposed to raise taxes to take care of those responsibilities. They're not supposed to add to them. They're not supposed to neglect those and start spending money on other things, which is absolutely what happened, which is absolutely why every year or two or whatever you start hearing about an infrastructure bill. Because, folks, infrastructure should be something that the government is constantly investing in. This should be a core component of our regular budget. And in fact, it's one of the premises upon which this idea of having a federal gas tax is predicated. Hey, we have people driving on roads that we're responsible for maintaining. Maybe we should put a tax on gasoline so that you know the, the people who are paying it are the people who are driving on the roads. It seems reasonable, at least the, the logic behind it. Now, maybe the percentages, the percentages are always off, by the way, way too high, but at least there's an a, a rationale to get there. But the problem is they don't use the money for what they say they're going to use the money for. It's also why Social Security, well, yeah, Social Security is bankrupt. You don't have an account somewhere locked away in Washington, D.C. that says Todd Huff has this much in Social Security assets, and there's a, you know, a, a lockbox, as Al Gore used to say back in 2000 I put it in a lockbox that's not it's 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 full of IOUs just like the movie Dumb and Dumber if you remember that movie when Lloyd Christmas and I forget the other guy Harry Harry and Lloyd I think Oz knows that she's nodding in agreement Harry and Lloyd 
found that there was a briefcase full of money and during the, the, the narrative or the plot of the movie, and they used it to just basically blow on everything. They bought a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or something. And I remember they wrote an IOU, put it in the suitcase, $250,000. He told the, the mafia individual later on, you might want to hold on to this one. This one's kind of, kind of important. <laughs> anyway, so this is what our government has done. So they, they don't want to do what they are supposed to do per the Constitution. They want to do other things, like make other things free, namely you know, do things like eliminate student debt. Um, my goodness, what, what don't they want to make, make free? That's, that may be the better way of, of addressing this. But they don't want to address the, the issues that are actually in the Constitution. They want to add to that. They want to grow government. They want to, I mean, there are some folks, my friends, who intentionally see this as an opportunity. It's not just an ideological difference. They see this as an opportunity to move the American people to a place where they can remake America as founded. I'm not claiming that every, certainly not every rank-and-file Democrat, I'm not even claiming that every Democrat in Congress thinks like that. But there are people, again, we referenced them earlier, the George Soros types, who are in those rooms strategizing, they absolutely believe those things. They hate the United States of America as founded. And if they can if they can break this country and remake it into something that they prefer it to be, then they will take every opportunity that they have in order to achieve that end. I know that that is not something that we want to accept in this country because it seems so foreign, especially if you grew up like I did in the 80s watch movies like Top Gun, you know, you had president like Ronald Reagan. It was, I don't know, just kind of a great, a great time to be alive. I grew up in small town, you know, Midwestern, flyover country, and we, we had a respect for those principles and so forth. And it's so foreign to think that there are literally people today that are trying not, not just trying to promote ideas that are different from those ideas. They are trying to promote things that will break the very bedrock foundation upon which this country has been built. So Rick Scott has some response to this question. I still have some more things to say about it. Congress's job is to raise taxes, to do the duties that the Constitution tells them they're supposed to do. There should be a figure assigned to that. They should split it amongst the states as apportioned as it used to be done, and then the states should, of course, pay that, pay that amount of tax. By the way, it would be dramatically less than it is today. And I'm telling you something else that I wish was on the radar more. I really do. You can see also why the founders wanted senators elected by the um, the state legislatures. I wish we – we're not ever going to do this – but I wish we returned to that because then senators are directly held accountable by their state legislature, which is another check and balance there to make sure that they're advocating policies and an agenda that are consistent with what a state is willing to fork over to the federal government. In addition to what the people directly want through their representatives, it's just it's just it was a beautiful system. It's been it's been messed around with and harmed in a lot of ways, both structurally and ideologically, if I dare say. 
So anyway, but when you have 57% of households that pay no federal income tax, that's a massive problem. You know, if you're not, if you're a shareholder of a publicly traded company, you get a vote. If you're not a shareholder, if there's not skin in the game, as Rick Scott's saying here, then what in the world, what are you voting for? Are you voting that the people who are actually paying taxes will do things that financially benefit you? That's certainly, certainly a possibility. And dare I say, there is absolute evidence that that is what happens with a lot of folks. Not everybody, but with a lot of folks out there. So you still can be a low-tax person, but the, but you also can say, hey, we all should be involved in this, not just targeting people to carry the tax burden and then redistributing that to the people who aren't paying taxes. In fact, some people pay a negative tax rate. They get money, They get money back that they never even paid in to begin with, which of course somehow makes sense and it's called a rebate to people on the radical left. But that's not a rebate. That's a that's a subsidized, something that's subsidized by other taxpayers. And look, if that's your, we have listeners all over the place, if that's your condition, I'm not criticizing, your job is to follow the law. But the point is this, this doesn't make any, any sense. More, more Americans, actually all Americans should be paying some some tax, unless there's some dramatic, and I'm not saying tens of thousands of dollars. I'm saying the tax burden needs to be cut dramatically overall, but there should also be skin in the game by everybody who has a voice in our system. Everyone who who's voting should certainly be paying taxes. Quick time out, my friends. Listen to the conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. <laughs> I don't want to be misunderstood here. I'm, I'm not calling for higher tax. I mean, I guess if you're not, if you're paying zero federal income tax, I am saying let's. I mean, it's going to be higher. It should be higher than zero. Um, but it doesn't have to be some dramatic, dramatic amount. I mean, there's there's ways to do this. I don't want to. I haven't thought through specifically the plan. I'm just talking about in theory. It's just bizarre to have a situation where 57% of people who are eligible to vote and decide what happens with our money, uh, the, the money raised by the federal government, didn't actually pay a penny into it. That, that is a, a, a fundamental problem with this country. In fact, Romney referenced that back during his campaign in 2012, and of course it was, there was some recording of him at a private donors meeting or something. And he took a lot of flack for that. I don't really care if there's there's flag. I'm not saying the numbers should be high. I'm not saying it at all. I'm saying everybody should be lower. The problem that we have in this country is not that we haven't raised enough taxes. The problem we have is that we have out-of-control spending. We have out-of-control spending. We have uh, just – we it's it's a it's an unmitigated disaster is what we've got financially – in this country, of proportions that is hard to even wrap our brains around. Again, we have a, a spending problem. What needs to happen is cuts to spending. The other part of this scenario that um, John Roberts, the anchor, news anchor here, is not allowing Rick Scott to articulate. He's upset at him. He says, hey, it's in the bill, man. 
Rick Scott saying, look, when we, when we, the budget is already set in a lot of ways because of what's called entitlement spending. My friends, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me. I've looked this up on Heritage before, but it's in the vicinity of two thirds. Two thirds of our federal budget is tied up in entitlement spending. So what Rick Scott is saying is saying, look, everything that we pass, let's let's have a sunset bill. Let's just not let's just not pass something and then say, okay, that's now the eternal responsibility of the federal government. We're going to tax people and, you know, raise funds and of course it'll never be enough. We'll go into debt, we'll do all this stuff. Rick Scott's saying, "Hey, why don't we say that these things have to expire in five years. By the way, they can be renewed, right? So when John Roberts is saying everything is going to stop in five years, Social Security, um, the truth is, the truth is, first of all, these things are bankrupt anyway. These programs are bankrupt. I don't know what these people think those words mean, but it literally means they don't have the money to pay the obligation. So... You can wish these things into existence, but the it, it doesn't make it that, that that reality. You can say, I wish that Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid or whatever would pay for this and this would be free and all this, but that doesn't make it true. These things have to work in, in reality. And you ever stopped and thought if you were just allowed to invest, even if the, even if the law was, hey, you have to invest whatever Social Security that would have been taken out of your check. It's got to go into a, a lockbox, as Al Gore would have said, and you can't touch it until you're 65. But if you owned it and you could control where it went, how much was invested where, mutual funds, whatever you picked, and you were in charge of that, do you think who do you think would have more money for you at the end of your working life? Would it be the federal government or would it be you and the answer, the answer in almost every circumstance instance would be the individual. No one cares more about you than you. The government doesn't care more about you. AOC doesn't care more about you. Nancy Pelosi doesn't care more about you. They might, well, they don't, but they might. They might care, and they might be trying to do things that are good, just in general. But no one cares more about you, your family, your finances, your life goals, ambitions, plans, children, all those things in you. It's another reason why it's absolutely essential that parents retain the ability to be, well, and taxpayers as well, the parents and taxpayers retain the ability to determine what's being taught in public education. Absolutely unequivocally without any shadow of a doubt. So timeout is in order here. When we get back, I want to play a little bit more of this exchange where Rick Scott actually gets to talk a little bit about some of his plans here without John Roberts interrupting him all over the place. Get to that after the break. So type my friends back here in just a minute. back my friends here it is the little bit more of this conversation rick scott having with john roberts the journalist on fox news actually here he gets a chance to articulate and explain what he's after 
with his 11-point plan, in, especially in relation to, in comparison to what Biden's trying to do, which is tax the, the life of what's left of our economy out of itself. And also in the plan, it says we ought to every year talk about exactly how we're going to fix Medicare and Social Security. Here's what's happening. No one that I know of wants to sunset uh, Medicare or Social Security. But what we're doing is we don't even talk about it. Medicare goes bankrupt in four years. Social Security goes bankrupt in 12 years. I think we ought to figure out how we preserve those programs. Every program that we care about, we ought to state, stop and take the time to preserve those programs. I... I mean, I just fought the postal bill because it put more responsibility on Medicare and took it off the postal service and put mm-hmm. Medicare in a worse position. Now, let's go back. Let's talk about taxes for a second. I'll put my record up against anybody on tax cuts. I tax, I cut taxes and fees a hundred times as governor. But here's what's unfair. Mm-hmm. We have people that don't, that could go to work and have figured out how to have government pay their way. That's not right. They ought to have right some skin too. in the game. I don't care if it's a dollar. We it. ought to be, all be in this together. I'm going to focus, continue to focus on reducing taxes. That's what I've done my whole life. But there's an 11-step plan. Go through it. Everybody's yeah. not going to agree with everything. 128 policy points. Let's be bold. Go to rescueamerica.com. Give me your ideas, okay. or you can text America to 2204. Okay, we're not going through all that. But you can do that if you want. But we do have we do have a need to rescue America from where the, the path that it's on. And to this point, how how it how stupid is it to think a law could be passed back in 1960, whatever it was, with Social Security, 64 or whatever, and to think that that never can be adjusted, talked about, go back through Congress for changes at all. It's just going to work exactly. As those current, as the jokers back in the day, of the past that, as they intended, not no unforeseen consequences, nothing, just government did its job, and that's on autopilot. That, my friends, is beyond, uh, beyond any reasonable sort of position to take, and that's all he's saying, right? Is to address these things, to not, to not cuff ourselves with two thirds of how we spend our money. We ought to be able to look at these things, to think about these things, to address these things, to make them to make them better, what have you. But anyway, got to take a time out here. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Well, there are a lot of things vying for our attention. And one of them is, I mean, just the general, I guess, problem we have when it comes to federal spending and it's been recently this week front and center with biden's out of control massive federal budget and friends we do not we do not have a revenue problem in this country we have a spending problem and until we address that all this other stuff is just candidly a dog and pony show it is only going to make things worse So anyway, got to wrap up for the day. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. SDG.